So when I've told other people that I'm doing this for Story Shape Life, and I've told them the emotions that I'm doing, and I've told them about sadness, and then I tell them that sadness is going to be from Coco, they totally get it. Pixar does a really good job with this, especially. We've already referenced them earlier when we talk about Inside Out, but man, are they emotive. And Coco, even though I knew better, kind of took me by surprise. This was a really, really deep movie. And the sadness specifically that we're going to be talking about today is that final scene between Miguel and Mama Coco. Miguel! Mama Coco? Can you hear me? It's Miguel. I, I saw your papa. Remember? Papa? Please. If you forget him, he'll be gone. Forever. Here, this was his guitar, right? He used to play it to you? See? There he is! Papa! Remember? Papa? Mama Coco, please, don't forget him! What are you doing to that poor woman? What's gotten into you? I thought I'd lost you, Miguel. I'm sorry, Papa. We're all together now. That's what matters. Not all of us. It's okay, Mamita. Miguel, you apologize to your Mama Coco. Mama Coco? Well? Apologize. Mama Coco, your papa, he wanted you to have this. <gasps> Mama, wait. Remember me. Though I have to say goodbye, remember me. Don't let it make you cry. For even Look. if I'm far away, Hold you in my heart I sing a secret song to you Each night we are apart Remember me Though I have to travel far Remember me Each time you hear a sad guitar Know that I'm with you The only way to sing me that song. He loved you, Mama Coco. Your papa loved you so much. So we know that sadness in the context of what we're going to talk about in this podcast signals a loss that has occurred. So with Mama Coco, she's lost her memory, essentially, and there's not anything sadder to me or more terrifying to me than Alzheimer's, the fact that she might be forgetting someone. And the way that Pixar has revealed this in the movie and the narrative is that if her father is forgotten, he doesn't exist anymore in the afterlife. And so there's a lot of weight on this. But as Miguel starts to sing to Mama Coco with the family looking on, you can't help 
but cry. I would argue that anyone I've talked to that has seen this movie kind of lost it. And you've especially lost it when you recognize even more, whether that with age or experience, that a loss can occur. And you've experienced a loss before. And so the fact that he's sitting there and singing to her, even though it's a great thing that she brings the memory back of her father and that picture is narratively restored and so is this relationship and she can go on now to the afterlife. This is beautifully very, very sad. Welcome to Story Shaped Life, a podcast where we try to help make sense of the stories we believe about ourselves, others, and the world we live in. We're your hosts, Ben and Sam. And this season, we're talking about emotions. We're joined by Emily, a licensed professional counselor, who'll help us unpack the meaning and motivation behind the way we feel. Hello, hello. Welcome to the saddest episode, literally. That's not the right use of literally. I also, okay. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> Howdy, y'all. Welcome to our episode about sadness. Here's, here's the deal. If you get sad on this episode, that's on you, because we're going to be real happy about talking about sadness. Welcome. I feel like I can do a really good Southern accent. All right. To get us started, Emily, why don't you give us a definition for sadness? Yeah. So sadness is an emotion that signals that we've experienced some type of loss and it gives us the energy to grieve that loss. And this may be a good point just to quickly come back to something, because I don't think we've talked about it in a couple of episodes, just the fact that every emotion has those two parts, right? That right. it has something specific that it's kind of like out looking for in the world and tells us about our environment. And that it also gives us the energy to respond to that thing that it finds in the in our environment that we, that we encounter, right? right. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I think the best thing to move forward is to kind of break that up into two pieces. Okay. Go so for it. I would love to unpack what what loss looks mm-hmm. like before we even get into the the second part. The rest of the definition. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when we think about grief, um, people assume that that just means that someone died. But if we're thinking about loss, that can be a lot of different things. That can be the loss of um like an actual person, or it can be the loss of a dream or a thing that could be moving, um, a job, a relationship. Like there's a lot of different things that we can grieve. Yeah. You said dream, which I think is really interesting because there's a piece of loss that's really new to me. And that's the idea of loss of opportunity or Mm -hmm. possibility, right? even in the face of some other good thing that has happened. Mm -hmm. And I think this has been new for me or is it kind of on my mind because we just had a baby girl, well, just 11 months ago now. Mm -hmm. But I think this has been a year of grieving some loss, like sensing some loss Mm -hmm. in, I don't know, just our life. Right. We used to, I don't know, we just used to be able to do a lot of different things that we couldn't do before Jules showed up. And so kind of the loss of that lifestyle in some way, even though we're extremely happy to have Jules around and would rather that than the alternative. Sure. I don't know, at least for me, I still catch myself in this weird place where I'm like, I'm glad that Jul- Juliana's here. I would not want her to not be here, but there's still some sense of like, oh, but now I don't have this anymore. Mm-hmm. And and that there's some sadness that comes around that. And yeah, I, I don't know. That's just a weird deal. Yeah. And I think that brings up a good point because oftentimes we don't think we are worthy of grief 
Mm. If there's something positive. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I, I know when I, I moved, first moved to the U.S., that was, that was a grieving time for me mm-hmm. because I was losing everything in my home, like being from Colombia, all of my friends, all of my community, uh, my comfort, my safety. I yeah. was losing that to move somewhere else. But everybody always points to the opportunity that right. is. This is your chance to explore these musical ventures you've always wanted to explore and, and, and bring your career forward. And, and although I, I realized that a lot of people, there was a lot of pressure on me to mm-hmm. not grieve. Right. Because it's you have these great opportunities, you should be focusing on yeah. those. But there is a loss that right. is as if those two things can't exist exactly. at the same right. time. Right. Like can't if coexist. you can't be happy for the new thing and be sad for the loss of the old thing. Right. Absolutely. When really, that's actually how most things are. Yeah. yeah. Like most changes come with both. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that you mentioned change, I think that's probably a good indicator that you've experienced some kind of loss. Um, Mm. if you went through some type of change, if something changed in your life, then you lost something. And I I don't think that we pay that much attention to loss being a part of change. Yeah. And I think that transitions us into the second half of the definition, uh, because I think based on what we're saying, based on the loss and based on how people sometimes don't even approach things as being loss, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of unsettled grief. Right. There's a lot of grief that isn't even explored. Yep. And so what what does a healthy, I guess, exploration, to use a very mm-hmm. elaborate word, use of grief look yeah. like? Um, so it can be as simple as just vocalizing it. So <laughs> something like um, losing your favorite pen, just being like, bummer, <laughs> I lost my favorite pen today, you know, instead of not giving yourself permission to feel the minor sadness. Um, but then, um, something a little bigger, um, like the loss of a dream or moving or whatever, um, identifying what you've lost. So that can look like really concrete things that that can also look like, um, more subjective things like, so for example, if we're using, your situation, Samuel, of moving, um, there's like the, the loss of actually moving to a new place. And then like you mentioned, there's the loss of community, the loss of friends, the loss of opportunities, the loss of your favorite restaurant, right? Like all of these little things that, um, like compound this grief, um, that if we don't take the time to think through those things sneak up on us later and add to like unprocessed grief. Um, so it can be helpful to list all of those things out so, Mm -hmm. so that we're aware of what we've actually lost. I think the last part then would be some sort of memorialization, if that's a word, just like we think of a funeral with death, like having some sort of, and it doesn't have to be a big deal, right? Like you don't have to have a ceremony for, but some like putting some pictures together of the place that you moved from or, um, framing something to remember this previous season or, um, I don't know, like you can get creative with that. I've had people do like stones in their backyard that have some word on it that represent this time in their life, having some sort of mile marker of like, okay, this is something that I've let go of. So 
I'm, I'm going to repeat those steps back to yeah. you and you can correct me if I'm wrong mm-hmm. in simple terms. So step one would be uh, acknowledging. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that involves verbalizing mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, step two would be kind of breaking it down into parts. Yeah. What what is actually all involved in step and to that point, I would say in step two, it's also giving yourself, it sounds like giving yourself enough time, like right after you move, yeah. it's that it feels normal maybe to be yeah. sad about it. But those things about like, dang, my favorite restaurant, like that happens over time right. usually. So giving yourself enough time for the loss to really kind of show itself in some way, I guess, yeah. or for mm-hmm. us to really experience it. Mm-hmm. Um, Expanding it, I, might yeah, be it, a, yeah, a word. Yeah, exactly. Kind of. Just making room for it, essentially, because yeah. some things may take a while. Right. Yeah. And then step three, memorializing mm-hmm. would be, I guess, the best word we can we can mm-hmm. use for that of, mm-hmm. of creating. I think it, it's almost like acknowledging the significance. Yeah. Yeah. Of what it was. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and also taking making the decision to keep moving forward. Yeah. So it could just be a conversation, you know, that you have with somebody that is close to you like hey I've realized that this was actually a really big deal in my life and that's your memorializing you know um but what you just said about moving on I think that makes room for a new normal yeah and I think this is super helpful I think a lot of the 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 best content we can get out of talking about sadness is an exploration of grief Mm -hmm. because I think culturally it's a concept that we don't always understand very fully right uh I know one of the phrases that I hear often is like, you need time to grieve. But then the expectation is always that it won't take time. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if y'all have perceived that in yeah. your lives, but um, I would kind of briefly like to hear from you and your experience, both of y'all's experience of of unpacking grief in some of these a little bit more emotionally complicated situations. Mm. So, So we've realized that there's, We've kind of talked about this in all the episodes that there's there's sometimes low level sadness. There's sometimes yeah. low level anger mm-hmm. that that are worth considering, that are worth bringing to light, that are worth handling, that need to be handled. But there's also moments of extreme sadness, mm-hmm. of extreme grief. And I would like to see how those steps need to play out in those moments, because mm-hmm. I think those moments are also the ones that culturally speaking don't get the attention, I guess yeah. they should. Yeah. And uh, I mean, obviously, the first one I think about is is death of a loved one. Mm -hmm. Often grief is treated so weirdly. Yeah. Yeah. By by the cultural pressure, I guess. Right. Where like in America, we are expected to be back at work within two, three days. Um, And other cultures like you wear black for 40 days straight and your front door is just unlocked and people just bring you meal after meal after meal and you're not expected to really do anything because you're processing a huge grief. Um, And yeah, I think America sees grief as unproductive. So we just keep on going like robots and um, then don't like actually get the chance to work through it. Um, I, I'd say divorce is another one that people just like keep walking after it happens and don't give themselves time to process. Yeah. That's an interesting one. I had a conversation with somebody recently that talked about that and the idea that because divorce has become so common, Mm. our culture has come to see it as less important or less, uh, exactly not worth grieving as much. Yeah. 
Um, but the reality is even in, in really hard situations, things that led to divorce where people feel like, yeah, that we need, this had to happen, whatever, Mm -hmm. there's still a loss there. And just because it happens more often doesn't mean it's not hard and isn't a major loss to both parties. So, uh, that's just one that's really interesting to me in our culture right now, because again, the more that it happens, the less, I guess, prone we've become to giving people space to actually grieve. Mm -hmm. And to something that we've said recently, sadness is seen as a weaker emotion. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so most people, when they hear that, you know, somebody has gone through a divorce, they immediately want to, you know, hey, I'm on your team. That person was terrible. Let's be angry Mm because anger is strong. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, yeah, there might have been something to be angry about, Mm -hmm. but there's also going to be a loss and there's going to be sadness. And let's not be super quick to just bulldoze through that and use a different emotion because that doesn't go well. Right. And with that being said, I would like to reiterate and kind of make the statement that those three steps look different in everyone depending on what situation they're in. For sure. So I think that's where a lot of the cultural pressure comes in Mm -hmm. is there might be someone who got to step two and step two is just a lot faster for them. Yeah. And so then the expectation on the next person is that they should really get through the unpacking section yep. really quickly and move on to the third part. Yeah. And that that's where I, I feel like some inconsistencies happen and people are just obligated to keep pushing forward without properly handling each step. And I, I really, I already said this once and I guess I bring it up again, but I think death is just something that that oftentimes people... In our culture and and a few other cultures as well, it's just not given the appropriate amount of time. Yeah. And the assumption is always the way I handled it is the same way you should handle it. Right. Even when half of the time, like I've heard these conversations, um, half of the time people who are putting that pressure never properly grieved. Right. And you can see the results of that. Right. Yeah. But they're putting the pressure to for others to do the same. Yeah. And death is unique because it is the one loss we should all be planning for. Mm. Right. Yeah. We know it's coming and our culture is just, just bad about being okay with that and being, and and making room for talking about that early on. Uh, Em and I just finished signing our, Mm -hmm. um, our will uh, that we put together and obviously there's lots of conversations about like, what do you do if one of you dies? What do you do if both of you dies? Where does Juliana go? Blah, blah, blah. And yeah, and it's just brought up. I mean, this was last week. It just has brought up a lot of that thought of like, man, we really don't talk about this early on, like early enough. I think one thing that can help us in that loss is to normalize and and plan for it. If we can begin the grieving process before someone's gone, that that does a lot to what those last moments are going to be like. And we don't always get that, right? Yeah, Sometimes right. it's so sudden and whatever. But I think that even even when we know it's coming, we're not good about planning. We just try to extend it as much as possible. And it's like, well, let's actually make this something that we, we can memorialize before they leave or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that brings back to the point you said, the more common something becomes, the more we feel like we're supposed to move on quickly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, right. I mean, death is included in that because it's an in- inevitability mm-hmm. uh divorce has become that uh, break of relationships in general has become that mm-hmm. where where people just are expected to move forward mm-hmm. but uh i also think specifically to death but this applies to a lot of things the second step of unpacking 
is just so um what's the word i'm looking for people don't value mm. the second step and so a lot of people try to simplify mm -hmm. sadness try to simplify the effect of loss in your life and so death is just such a clear example because all the emotions are so uh, i guess apparent but that loss of a person is i mean let's say you're young and you lose a parent you're losing the parent in the moment you cannot go to them in the moment but you're losing a whole future with them right and that's that's something that we often just glance over mm -hmm. like oh no you shouldn't be thinking about the future because it already happened like you can't change anything but mm -hmm. like there's a real grief in that mm -hmm. you know there's a grief in not being able to have a future with that person right or with someone and so yeah i think it's really important to bring that up because that is one of the sides i feel like there's just so much pressure to just not think about that you're not mm -hmm. supposed to be thinking about mm -hmm. all the different facets that are affected yeah. don't sit in the sadness but then you hit that moment mm -hmm. and it hits you right like it will hit you eventually yeah. right and so then you're you know at your wedding day and mm -hmm. you're like right my dad's not here. right like, that's right that's heavy right and it's not gonna not hit you at all anyways but yeah. in preparing yourself and actually acknowledging that that's a reality mm -hmm. of your situation is so much more helpful yep. when you actually get to that point yeah yeah and i we haven't really talked about how our emotions how we respond to other people's emotions mm -hmm. uh a lot or how we you know how we get on board or whatever but uh, sadness is probably a good one to pick this up because because again, this idea, we, we carry around this idea of there are strong emotions and weak emotions, which is very, very much true. If for some reason you miss that, that's not true. So, um, that is a, a cultural construct, but because we carry some of that idea around when other people get, again, I'll use anger as the example. When other people get angry, we feel like, oh, I know what I can do. I can get angry with them. And we feel comfortable with that. Whether or not that's the right response or not, we feel comfortable with that. When somebody else is sad, we feel like, well, the only way that I can get on board with them is to be sad as well. And I don't like that plan at all. And so the best thing I can do is try to get you to not be sad as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. Cheer um, them up. Right. Which is not true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not, not always helpful. And I think there's this reality of present, but separate, if that makes sense. Like, I am me with my emotions. You are you, you, you with yours, but I'm here with you. I am not, I'm not you or your emotions, but I am very much with you. That is really odd Yeah. for our culture, yeah. right? For our society. We don't, we don't know how to be with somebody. If we could learn that, then, then we would give people permission. space, mm -hmm. permission yeah. to be sad as long as they need to be sad, to grieve as long as they feel like right. we had to be sad also. You want to just mm -hmm. sit and watch us like Coco all over again tonight <laughs> because you, something came up that reminded you of, oh, yeah, anyway, you know, like, sure, whatever, like I'm with you. Mm -hmm. And as long as we need to go through that, like I'll go through that. And, and that sense of having permission for me to have my own emotions and to, in some ways to empathize with your situation and to re recognize that in, if it was me, I would want that space again, without also taking on all of that, yeah. not making it my responsibility. Yeah. And I think sometimes that word empathy, we think I emotionally, I'm emotionally responsible for them. And that's mm -hmm. not true at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you kind of mentioned this Samuel, but 
um, the fact that it takes different people, different amounts of time at each step. Um, and, and side note, there's like a whole like 10 step process to grief and not necessarily practical things that you can do, but like you start with shock and then you might experience anger about the grief and on and on. Um, and everybody's going to be, um, different in that process. Um, I think when that can get really tricky is when it's the same loss. So let's say, you know, someone passes away and the, um, each family member is responding to the grief in a different way. And often we get frustrated with each other for either going too fast or too slow in the grief. Um, so there is something to, um, letting your grief be your own grief and not trying to measure it up to someone else's. Yeah. Yeah. And that even relates to what Benjamin just said of like, you can't expect another person to have the same feeling as Mm -hmm. you in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you should like, that should go both ways. Yep. Well, something that we didn't talk about um, that I want to quickly ask us is what words do we use to say that we are sad? This is something we've been doing with all the emotions, but what are the words that you hear yourselves use and hear, hear others use when we talk about sadness? Gosh, I think this one, um, the whole avoidance because it feels like a weak emotion um, is really big with sadness. Mm, like people have a yeah. really hard time admitting that they're sad. Um, I think also because if we're sad about something, losing something, it means that thing was valuable to us. And if we're in the situation where we've lost it, then admitting that it was valuable is really hard. Absolutely. Um, so we'd rather be angry or disappointed. So I, I, I was thinking I'm, I'm disappointed, you know, yeah. like, yeah. um, that still kind of puts us in a power position to say that we're disappointed when really it's a lot of times we're just sad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can think of so many words that are just around it. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. like I'm confused, I'm upset, I'm angry, Mm -hmm. all all these things. That's like, that's not really getting at the root of it. Mm -hmm. And it's not that those other emotions aren't present necessarily, but a lot of times we're so quick to acknowledge them without acknowledging yeah. the sadness and mm-hmm. the loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think upset is another one. I think we use this one with hurt, but it's another one that kind of is in that vein of loss, but sounds softer or like yeah. we don't have to right. recognize it quite as much. So upset is another one that comes up. You know, the thing about upset that I, I think is, I don't know if we mentioned this last time, but it generalizes the subject. Absolutely. Yeah. Sadness is specific. Yeah. Yep. Sadness, you have to identify what makes you sad. Right. And that's what we're what we've said with all of these words, that it's not that these words for any emotion might be wrong, but we want to use as we're learning to express our emotions, to actually listen to our emotions properly and then respond to them appropriately, uh, naming them correctly is a big piece of that. And again, it's not that frustration, if you're frustrated, you know, if you're frustrated, it's not fair that you shouldn't say frustrated. You should say, say I'm angry. No, it's fine. Frustration is a low level anger, right? Like that's okay. But if you're saying I'm upset and really you're sad, that's enough of a word. That's kind of like, doesn't mean anything kind of generalizes that it's, it, will you will get you there faster to say you know what i'm kind of sad 
And that might even be just to yourself. Totally. You oh, may yeah, not yeah, need yeah, to yeah, say yeah, that yeah. to a, another person, but to know where to move forward. Right. You know what you mean right? by what you're saying instead of covering it up. Right. Um, I don't know if this resonates with y'all or not, but um, tired. I think sometimes people mm. use tired when they're sad. Interesting. Like it's kind of. Um, it's like a reason to feel lackluster uh-huh. or not have the energy. Uh-huh. Or, yeah, that's good. I, that made me think of, I think one of the biggest ones that I see today, which is I'm depressed, man. I was waiting for that one. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and I don't know if we really have a time. No, we don't have time. Let me just say it. We Mm -hmm. do not have time to actually talk about depression Mm -hmm. because it is another topic. Um, um, but when people say that though, yes, I think it's a way to say this is happening to me. Instead yes. of it makes sense that I'm feeling this way yeah. and I need to be responsible to process the emotion. It's like, oh, this thing called depression happened to me. So that's yes. why I'm sad. Yeah. yeah, it goes back to the cultural idea of like, if I'm depressed, then it's like, oh, okay. Right. Like there's more permission to slow down or to write, um, yeah. which is unfortunate because we should be able, we should be giving each other that permission just when we're sad. Just right. right? Like, right. But it's become a way to kind of add like a reason to things and, and not again, not everybody, I'm not taking away from the fact that there is depression, but and yeah, I, th- I think we sometimes use that word wrongly because we're trying to get people to be like, Oh yeah. Okay. That's yeah. I get it. Yeah. And I think the distinction to not go into depression because mm-hmm. right. we, we, you're right. We don't have the time. But the distinction is we're not talking about a condition. We're talking about an emotion. Right. right. And so you can be both depressed and sad. Right. But the sadness is specific. Right. Uh, yep. And so if you are having an emotion related to something, it is not useful in that context to just respond to it by saying I'm depressed. Right. Because you're not acknowledging what you're sad about. Right. You're, you're putting a general statement to blanket cover all of your mm-hmm. sadness. Yeah. And it, it is so much more helpful to bring up the specific situations that are making you sad. Yeah. Right. I will say this one thing about depression. I'm just going to throw it in here. Uh, depression, like sadness, has a job. It has something that it can do for us. And so it's something else that in our culture I think we need to learn as a society to give people space to go through. Because it's actually, it, it has something that it can do for us and lead us into that's better than before if we'll let it do its thing. So that's just throwing that out there. If somebody was like, dang it, I wish they had said more about depression. Well, maybe we'll come back ask to it, that one. At some, ask it in a question. Ask in a question. We also have talked about doing bonus episodes. So maybe if we get enough questions about that, we'll make it a bonus episode. In dealing with our culture that doesn't always acknowledge sadness in the ways that it should... I think it can be helpful to view our grief like a debt that we need to pay. So if we experience some type of loss, it's like we also um, obtain a debt when that loss occurs. And each time you sit down to let yourself grieve, you are making a deposit into that debt. So when we can be tempted to think this is pointless, I'm not actually accomplishing anything. I need to just get over it. I I wish I would just stop crying or whatever. If we see it as a debt that we are paying, then it's intentional. 
then we are accomplishing something. Mm-hmm. And it may not look like we're making um, a, a huge dent in the, the debt, but if you're making little bitty $50 deposits as you go, eventually it's going to go away and you'll get to the bottom of it and and you won't yeah, that's good. still be grieving. Yeah. So basically seeing our grief and giving ourselves spaces and times to grieve as an active right. thing instead of a passive one. Right. Yeah, I like that a lot. It's less overwhelming because, I mean, you walk in a store and you're going to buy a ten, twenty thousand $20,000 car, that number is overwhelming. Yeah. You're like, there's no way I can pay $20,000 right now. Right. But when they break it down to like, oh, it's $300 payments yeah. once a month and this much down, then you're like, oh, I can totally do that. Yeah, right. yeah. I can do that in my time. If I can put in some extra one month, I can do that. Yep. It's it's a lot more manageable, I right. guess. Right, right. So Which it doesn't also feel overwhelming. A really good analogy for those of us that are in relationships with other people who are grieving, mm. recognizing like if the debt was very large, right? If they lost a loved one, then that's going to take a while to pay off, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like the, I think the, the analogy works really well to help us think about what does healthy grieving look like? Right. And to the other side, if somebody is like, I lost my favorite pen and six months later, they're like, <laughs> I still can't get, and you're like, dude, we paid this off a yeah. while ago. Let's go. Like, <laughs> stop it. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I, I, know, I really like that picture because it makes a lot of sense yeah. to us practically. And yeah. so it could, maybe that will help us figure out how to be friends and how to be close to those who are grieving. Mm-hmm. I think a good indicator to know when you have properly grieved is that you can still tell stories or talk about or share about that loss and you are not drawn to strong emotion. If you are still weeping at the mention of the loss, you probably have not grieved. You will never just not feel sadness, right? Like if you lose something that's valuable to you, you will feel a twinge of sadness every time you remember that that thing, that person, that dream, but you won't be drawn to extreme emotion. So if that helps know like, okay, I think I've gotten to the, the a healthy place here, or um, there's still some more work to do because I can dro- cry at the drop of a hat whenever this person's name is mentioned or whatever. Yeah. So I think we could go on all day <laughs> talking about the subject of sadness and grief, because it's, it's definitely one that is overwhelmingly a part of our lives and overwhelmingly needs to be a part of our lives. So that being said, if you have questions of things that we haven't addressed at this point, please send those to us. A reminder, you can send them to our email at storyshapedlife at gmail.com or DM, DM us on Instagram if you follow us. It's at storyshapedlife. That would be awesome. We are going to address those questions in a little bonus episode at the end of the season so those questions are really important as you hear the episode. No, don't just wait till the end when you don't remember any of your questions. <laughs> um, big shout out again to Two Chunks and a Hunk for making us cry at the beginning of this episode <laughs> and for just doing a great job with all these intros. Absolutely. And lastly, if you can think of other words that you use or your friends or family use to describe sadness... Uh, send this to us. Let us know. We are putting a tool together um, that hopefully will help us do this work of identifying our emotions, really listening to them well, and then responding to them well. So let us know what words you use Yeah, in just everyday conversation when you're talking about sadness. Uh, and then we're going to flip the table next week 
in a conversation about happiness. Yeah, yay. yay. <laughs> <laughs> so we will see you then to talk about the emotion of happiness. See ya.